how to fight uncertainty. 2017 ends at midnight. I'm sure many of you will be awake to bring in the new year. Uh, probably not me. Am I, I'm not trying to be sarcastic this morning. I, I just hope that you're all coherent when the clock strikes 12 and be safe. Do you have any uncertainty going into the new year? Any doubts? Any anxiousness? How about worries about the future? Or perhaps fear or trepidation? Korea make you nervous when you see that in the news. Kim Jong-un, you know, I think that guy needs prayer, actually. And I think it's a fact you never know what he's going to do. How about terrorism or human trafficking? All the ills that we see on nightly news and all the things that's happening in our world. And I could go on and on. I could go on and on listing what's wrong in our country, in our world, even in maybe in our county. I don't know. But the fact is, here's the question of the year for 2018, and it's a choice question. That is one thing about God when he made us, and I, I, I always believe this, that he made us free moral agents, that we have a choice. We can do anything we want. Of course, there's consequences either way, but nonetheless, God does not force us to do anything. So here's the question for 2018. Do you want to live in uncertainty and all its ills, or do you want to live in Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit, which produces in us if we allow him, according to Galatians 5.22? But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. If you want to have a self-evaluation of your spiritual life, read that verse and ask yourself, are these things evident in my life? Are these things flowing out of my life on a daily basis 24-7? Am I full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? These are the things that flow out of a true believer, and they should be in your life. And this is what God offers us. The crux of the matter is in the first part of verse 22. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, but when, not when your old nature controls your lives, when you kind of ignore God and do what you want, these things only come out if the Holy Spirit controls you. And it's a great self-evaluation to where we're at. And it's our choice. As for me, I'll choose Christ over uncertainty any day. And I hope you do as well. Can you imagine in this world, in the United States alone, how much money pharmaceuticals companies make off of uncertainty in our lives? It's It's staggering. It is, it's a staggering thing because some folks haven't, it's hard to get a grip on that. Many people throughout time have gone to the Psalms for comfort and still do, especially Psalm 23. And the theme of Psalm 23 is this, God is seen as a caring shepherd and dependable guide. We must follow God and obey his commands. He is our only hope for eternal life and security. He is our only hope for eternal life and security. He is our only hope in this life for us to have 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's that worth to you at night to when you finally get to bed and you can lay your head on your pillow and go to sleep in total peace? I pray that happens for you every night. It does for me the majority of the time, not always. But that is, that is, that is what God offers us, holds it out. So here you go. You want this? Here it is. You can have it. This can be you. This is a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. You welcome me as a guest. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. No one would deny that Psalm 23 is the most familiar, best loved portion of the book of Psalms and perhaps the entire Bible. It has endeared itself to people in every circumstance of life. The soldier in battle fearing injury and possibly death. The grieving widow standing before a fresh grave wondering how she can go on with her life. The guilty wanderer seeking forgiveness and direction. The lonely stranger longing for love and companionship. The suffering saint strapped to a bed of pain. The orphan and the forgotten. The depressed and the jobless. The prison inmate and the persecuted. The prodigal and the divorced. All have felt the stinging daily grind of uncertainty. And to each one and perhaps thousands more, Psalm 23 brings solace and peace and when the chips are down and our hearts are heaviest, it is to this magnificent psalm of the shepherd we most often turn. Preschoolers and little children know it by heart, yet as the silent partner of the retired and always fitting at a funeral, from cradle to grave, Psalm 23 provides tireless comfort and endless assurance to those who lack the security of feeling God's perpetual presence. We've observed these inner battles, these struggles that we have, and not many is more fierce than the daily grind of uncertainty. Because you and I have no guarantees in life. We, the, the old adage used to be, so, well, you, you know, you got this guarantee, you, you're, you're going to die and you have to pay taxes. We know we're going to die, and sometimes we, don't, we try to get out of taxes, but that doesn't always work out so good. But other than that, we, we don't have any guarantees tomorrow. The only guarantee we have is that God is with us and he's not going to leave us. And he's going to guide us and direct us. And, it, and it's our responsibility to put our complete trust in him. God is the only guarantee that I have of anything in life, actually. We assume a lot, don't we? Yeah, we all figure that we might have a party tonight or... We might see the new year in and 
we really don't have a guarantee of that. Because I have said a thousand times, the heart that beats up in your, within your chest, it's not in your hand. That's in God's hand. And when he wants to stop it, that's his choice. That's life. That's the reality of it. We've had encounters of uncertainty more than we want to admit it sometimes. And it takes on a lot of different faces. Maybe you've struggled with a career choice or direction in your life. Purpose and pain, job security, financial pressures, physical handicaps, relational snags, and a dozen other confusing puzzles not quickly or easily solved. And they don't go away. That's what we want, isn't it? Quick fix. We, we want stuff to just go away. Jesus is our good shepherd. I want to consider the analogy this morning between sheep as the children of God and Jesus being our good shepherd. John 10, 14, 10 11 through 14. Words of Christ. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will leave the sheep because they aren't his and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is merely hired and has no real concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. And they know me. One cannot read the 23rd Psalm without realizing it, realizing that it's written from the viewpoint of a sheep. It is though a sheep was considering its life among the flock while its shepherd, with its shepherd and recording its feelings and observations of how it sees life. Consider some of the analogies between helpless sheep and God's frail children. I'm going to give you six. Here's the thing about sheep. I don't know if you've had sheep, raised sheep. I had sheep when I was in 4-H. I'm not a real advocate of sheep. I wish God would have made us wolverines. <laughs> All teeth and claws. You, they, 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 them are the baddest animal I think there is. Them badgers aren't far behind, but nobody messes with wolverines. But he didn't. He chose an animal that would line up pretty much to who we are as humans. Sheep lack a sense of direction is the first one. Unlike cats and dogs, sheep can get lost easily, even in the familiar territory of their own. So it is with believers we cannot guide ourselves. We must completely rely on the word of God and his voice, the voice of the shepherd Savior. Sheep lack a sense of direction. Diane and I had some really close friends that were believers in Illinois, and he raised sheep. We always thought it was interesting because his last name was Wooliever, W-O-O-L-E-V-E-R. This guy was a, a brilliant sheep raiser, if you call it that. He went all over the United States judging sheep and whatever. Well, there was one time that he raised this buck, this ram, and it won grand champion. It was worth two or $3,000 or maybe even more. I don't remember the price. Sheep, guy from Pennsylvania buys that sheep, and Max hauls it over there, pulls into the barn lot. A lot of barns in Pennsylvania are built different than ours. 
you go up, they build up a ramp, and the floor's up here, and then there's a big door on the other end that, that's out, and it's maybe sometimes a 15 or 20-foot drop. He pays all that money for that sheep. Max lets it out. It runs through the barn, jumps up the over, other end, and breaks its neck immediately. They lack a sense of direction. Two, sheep are virtually defenseless. Most animals have a rather effective means of defending themselves. Sharp claws, teeth, speed, ability to hide, keenness of smell, sight, hearing, great strength, ferocity. But sheep are awkward, they're weak, and they're ignorant. And they have spindle legs and tiny hooves and they're pitifully slow. They even are devoid of any kind of angry noise. Defenseless. The only sure protection of the sheep is an ever-watchful shepherd. So it is with the believer who is admonished to be strong in the Lord, Ephesians 6.10. You don't see too many aggressive sheep every once in a while. If, I, if you would see an aggressive sheep, it would be the analogy to me, apart from this, that it's a believer that the Holy Spirit has entered into and has given them great courage and power to do things under the power of the Holy Spirit and not their own. And this is the way we should be living. But most of the time, we're like the sheep that I described. My dad was notorious for buying culls. If you, know, you want to know what a cull is, it's something, an animal that nobody else wants. It's either sick or there's something wrong with it. We spent hours at the, in the wintertime at, at the sale barn in Paris. There were two. There was a north barn and a south barn. And me and my dad would go... The only reason I went is because they had good hamburgers, so I'd go eat. Animals would come in the ring. If they, did, if they were a little, they went real cheap, and Dad, he always brought them home. So we were up there one day, and here comes this big, this thing was huge. It was a, there was a breed of sheep called Hampshire. He was a great big, great big and wide, had this great big old head. And the guy that was in the ring, this ram chased him out. It was trying to butt him. So he'd run, jumped off the fence, and... Stinking dad buys this thing and brings it home. Turns it loose in this little barn lot we had in Westfield. And there's a little red barn there. We go down there one day to feed. Before we got out of the truck, dad said, now listen here. If you see that sheep behind me, you warn me. <laughs> What's the odds that I was going to do that? <laughs> I can replay this in my mind as a video. Of course, I was, I was behind a tree. I wasn't out in the open. Here's Dad. He goes up to that barn door. He's got his hands up here, and he's looking around. As God is my witness, that stinking buck comes up to the corner of the barn and peeks around it and sees my dad. <laughs> I'm quiet. So then oh, he, gets all, he gets behind my dad and, and hops. You know how they hop when they do? And he hit my dad and knocked him 10 feet into that barn. Needless to say, my dad was not a happy camper. Is anybody, would anybody else do that to their father in here? Show of hands. I bet Snodgrass would. That's probably, I don't know. But, but that sheep was aggressive, but majority of them are not. And number three, the majority of sheep are easily frightened. Being ignorant unimpressive in stature and very much aware of the weakness sheep fight comfort only in the shepherd's presence 
and reassuring songs in the night. Psalm 127, or Psalm 27, 1 refers to this type of shepherd Lord relationship which we have with our God. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord protects me from danger, so why should I tremble? Number four, sheep are by nature unclean. Other animals lick and scrape and roll in the grass and clean themselves, but not sheep. They remain filthy indefinitely in the shep- unless the shepherd cleanses them. That's the way we are as humans. We are unclean and filthy. And apart from the tender shepherd's cleansing, 1 John 1, 7 through 9, we would remain perpetually dirty. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us or forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many times in our, even in our daily existence do we mess up, have a thought, say something, have an action? If you're a child of God, a follower of Christ, you know that. God puts the hammer on you. He puts the bead on you. There's, there is a, such a thing as guilt. We don't live guilt-free lives. That's, that's one of the ways the Holy Spirit gets our attention. We feel guilty about it. We feel convicted. But it's at that time where we can say, Lord, forgive me. And just like the verse says, it's gone. It's erased. Unless we've created some tremendous consequence, we feel better about it. Number five, sheep cannot find food or water. Most animals have a keen sense of smell. Sheep depend upon the shepherd completely. If left to themselves, sheep will eat poisonous weeds and die. And when one does it, they all follow. Sheep follow sheep. Again, as children of God, we are equally dependent on God and to keep us away from poisonous weeds. Number six is the last one. The sheep's wool does not belong to the sheep. While sheep may produce wool, the shepherd owns the wool. All bona fide spiritual production in the life of the Christian belongs to the Lord. The Lord, by means of the Holy Spirit, provides for all such production. In every way, you see, we are indeed, Psalm 103, his people and the sheep of his pasture. So like many of the Psalms, right in the beginning, Psalm 23 states its case in the first verse and simply verifies it in the remainder of the song. The key thought is this. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for anything. I shall lack nothing. He will give me in my life everything that I need. Not everything I want. You've got to distinguish between that. But he'll give me what's best for me in my life. He'll put on my plate what's best for me. The theme of 23 is played out in the balance of David's famous song. I shall not lack rest or provision. Why? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I shall not lack peace. Why? Because he leads me beside quiet waters. King James Version says still waters. I shall not lack restoration or encouragement when I faint, fail, or fall. Why? Because he restores my soul over and over and over and over again. I shall not lack guidance of fellowship. Why? He guides me in the paths of righteousness. I shall not lack courage when my way is dark. Why? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I have been with numerous followers of Christ when they died, when they left this earth, 
and not one of them has left in fear. Everyone has left in peace. You can see it in their face. Maybe you hear it in their voice. I've never seen or witnessed anybody leaving this earth screaming and kicking and full of fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Absolutely none. It's an amazing phenomenon. And I, I've always believed that when we, the old, this whole human body wants to hang on to that soul and we don't want to let it loose so easily. But I believe, for instance, in what I've seen, that there'll be one foot here and one foot in eternity. And you, at, at that moment, you, you see that. I shall not lack companionship. Why? Without it with me. I shall not lack comfort. Why? By rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I shall not lack protection or honor. Why? Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Me, you, you are valuable to God. And regardless of what situation that he has you in, you are valuable to him and he will be there. I shall not lack power. Why? Thou hast anointed my head with oil. I shall not lack abundance. Why? My cup overflows. I shall not lack God's perpetual presence. Why? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall not lack security. Why? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as you and I enter into this new year of 2018, we need to trust in, we need to embrace, we need to ponder, we need to put our heart in the Word of God and the Word of God in our hearts for direction, guidance, and comfort. And look to the Good Shepherd 24-7. And as Bishop T.D. Jakes tells us, we need to worship him. Let's watch about worship we've been talking about praise we've been talking about going before God and those of you that entered into worship will immediately notice that as you enter into worship stress goes down in fact I will make you a guarantee you cannot truly worship and worry at the same time I'm gonna say that again you cannot truly worship and worry at the same time. Because if you really start worshiping, the more you worship God, the bigger he becomes in the situation. When the Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, it doesn't mean that when we praise him, God gets bigger, but our vision of him gets bigger because he starts filling all the voids and filling in all the blanks. And as God gets bigger, your problems get smaller and it becomes difficult to worry about whatever you were worrying about when you get in the presence of God. The only reason your problem looks big is because you're facing your problem in your presence and not in the his presence if you bring your problem into his presence all of a sudden the stress goes down because you now look unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we might ask or think and all of a sudden you say I got this because you recognize how big God is and how little your situation is and you get confidence and the reason church doesn't work for a lot of you is because you come to church like you go to the movies you come to watch us perform 
but church only benefits you when you participate in the presence of God we can't have a worship service while you watch you have to enter into his presence with thanksgiving his courts with praise and as you begin to worship him it will change everything you're stressed out because you don't worship you're moody because you don't worship. You're a hothead because you don't worship. You're out of control because you don't worship. The reason you're such a hothead is because you are living with uncertainty every day and after a while you have a temper tantrum because you cannot handle it by yourself. And what I do not understand for the life of me is how you could drag your pretty self out here to church every Sunday and sit here and look all wonderful and never get what you came to church to get you must enter into his presence with thanksgiving his courts with praise you cannot truly worship and worry at the same time And in the immortal words of Pastor Jeff, bro, I wish I could get some help in here. <laughs> that reminded me of him this morning. So, uh, But he hit the nail right on the head. How do you fight uncertainty in your life? Do you live and breathe God's holy word and worship him 24-7? That's the answer. Allow Christ to be your good, shep your good shepherd. So as that ball drops... Tonight in Times Square, New York City, or the watermelons hit the frozen pavement in Vincennes, how will you start 2018? With worry, fear, doubt, dread, uncertainty, or with hope and peace and power, a great expectation of how God is going to use you to build his kingdom in 2018, and how he's going to watch over you and the adventure that he has laid out for you as you fellowship with Christ, our good shepherd. It is your choice, and God gives you that choice, and you are the one, my friends, that have to make it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's things might happen this next year that I won't really be that fond of, but that's life. It comes with us breathing and existing but I can guarantee you this, that God will be right there with me, holding me, hugging me, inside me, outside me, and he will take, take me through. I'm going to ask you to do something. I usually don't ask you to do a lot of things this morning, but as your commitment to Christ in 2018, would you make that commitment by standing as we close in prayer this morning? Lord, we love you, and... Uh, I do appreciate all you do for me. Father, as we think about going into this year, and we are uncertain. We don't know anything compared to you. But you'd offer, offered to be our good shepherd. And sometimes the sheep that we are, we don't realize how much we need you. These six issues that we've mentioned here this morning is really who we are. We don't know how to find direction. We don't know how to feed ourselves. We need protection from the enemy. 
and you're always there. May we not push you away, but may we embrace you. So that's my prayer here this morning as we stand before you. There is unlimited, and I cannot stress the word strongly enough, unlimited potential in this room right now. Children of God, filled with you, Holy Spirit, given gifts of, and abilities to do tremendous and great things in this world for you. I pray this morning that we are aware of that. And as we look at this world around us that we live in, that we work in, that we go to school in, we understand that we are there for a reason, and that reason is to reflect you to the world, your love, your compassion, and the hope, the only hope in the world that folks can have is in you. So right now, Father, may these be our thoughts and, and our minds and our hearts as we leave this place. Thanks again for loving us and being real to us. We ask these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen.